In today's episode of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, we're looking at the NBA bubble restart in Orlando, and today we're focusing on the Toronto Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We're getting through our teams, the old bubble boys, looking at these players and teams heading back to Orlando. A bit of a refresher of where they sit, what we can look at if you are in the restart leagues, DFS situations as well for the NBA restart. And today we're going to be looking at two of the top, or the two top teams in the Eastern Conference, Conference, the Toronto Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks. To talk about the NBA champion, Toronto Raptors, I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Raptors podcast. Sean Woodley is here with me again. Sean, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Good to talk to you. Basketball is almost back. The Raptors are currently in the two seed in the Eastern Conference. They are six and a half games behind the Milwaukee Bucks, so that's basically impossible to catch. They are three games up on the Celtics for the three seed. Not that that really has any impact, whether you're the two or the three seed. There's no home court advantage or anything like that. So with that being said, the Raptors are pretty much locked into a two or three seed for this uh, upcoming eight-game regular season. So what what are they looking to do in these eight games? Is it just going to be an extended preseason with a ramp up towards the last few games? Like, what are we expecting for this team that does have a few older bodies on it? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think like the first few games are probably going to tell a lot of the story to see sort of where things are when they come across Boston, which I believe is like their fourth or fifth game. It's somewhere in the middle there. And that one's got a lot of tiebreaker implications. And, you know, in theory, if they lose that one and they kind of take it easy, they do have a pretty tough schedule compared to Boston. They might have to sort of, you know, gear it up for the last few games just to ensure they get that two seed. I know, you know, you said it's not that important, and I kind of agree. But at the same time, if Victor Oladipo is going to be there for the Pacers, as it seems like he might be now, uh, or if just the Sixers view themselves as a team that wants to hang out and avoid the Bucks bracket and get in that six seed regardless and also take it easy themselves, like I think you'd rather just play whatever member of that trio of sadness between the Magic, the Nets, and the Wizards, whatever. It'll be the the Magic probably, yeah. Um, in that two seven matchup, so like I think you know while it's not the most important thing, you're not worried about second round home court against Boston. I, I think they'd probably rather keep it to do. You know, it doesn't hurt to play an easier team as much as you know the Pacers uh, might not necessarily be all that daunting if they don't have Oladipo or even if Oladipo is like seventy percent of what he normally is. You know, the Magic are a team that the Raptors have proven they can pretty easily dispatch both this season and in previous years. And so, yeah, I think they'll try to keep themselves at least somewhat sharp. I don't think we're going to see Kyle Lowry playing 38 minutes a game or anything like that. I think we'll probably see like a pretty even minute spread with guys like Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi maybe getting a little bit more in terms of run just to kind of get them geared up and sort of conditioned for the playoffs. But you know, when it comes to Marcus Gasol, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, there's no need to rush these guys and, and sort of get them back to full tilt right away. Uh, unless, of course, the race for that seeding really starts to matter and it gets down to the wire. That game against Boston will kind of be the telling story for me, at least. 
Yeah, so I, I was I was looking at it more in terms of that second round. But you're right, the first round matchup, if it's Orlando or Philly slash Indiana, that that is that is a big difference. I guess they would prefer that that two seed. Uh, just for that easier first round matchup, rest their guys and ease them into that second round matchup, most likely against Boston. Now, this team, Sean, has been banged up all year. Lowry missed time, Siakam missed time, Van Vliet's missed time, Norm Powell, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Sol. These are all, you know, they're, they're top six players, top seven players who have missed significant mm-hmm. chunks of time. And we haven't really seen them all together and how a, a rotation works with these guys because it's been, you know, Van Vliet steps out. So Powell comes in and plays 30 minutes and, yeah, you know, shoots super efficiently and scores huge. And then Gasol goes down, so Ibaka's minutes go up. And then Siakam goes down, so we get these minutes from Boucher. But everyone at this point is healthy in Orlando. So, yeah, this this rotation is probably going to be a little bit different. We've seen the photos of skinny Mark Gasol. But with everyone healthy, I I, I agree with you. They're going to be you know, easing these guys in. Now, you said we don't expect 38 minutes from Kyle Lowry. We also didn't expect him to play 37 minutes a night. Uh, at the beginning of the regular <laughs> season, but that's somehow what ended up happening. So I, I do agree with you that's going to push down. But look, a guy like Powell, who really stepped up this season, where is he sort of fitting in? Because I, I had the, I don't know if it was concern was the right word, or, or the, the thought that when everyone was healthy, that sort of he and OG Ananobi sort of were, were stealing minutes off each other. We didn't really get to see much of a healthy 1-2-3 rotation on this team, but... When we did get that, we saw Powell maybe push up to 28 and OG come down to 28 or 29. So how do you see those guys? I don't see Van Vliet and Lowry really losing a ton of minutes. It's more going to be that Powell and Anobi. Is it going to be more of just a let's see what we need as offense, as a defense? Because yeah, trying to fit all these guys in together is, is pretty tough. And to give them 30 plus minutes, it's almost impossible. Yeah, especially when you consider that like Patrick McCaw still has a nude photo album of Nick Nurse somewhere. <laughs> and so he still gets a bunch of minutes for some reason as well. Uh, you know, probably is some sort of blackmail scheme. Um, yeah, and so he gets minutes. Terrence Davis gets some minutes here and there as well. So, like, it's a pretty crowded backcourt. I think what we might see is maybe we'll see, you know, a bit of a drop in minutes for Gasol and Ibaka. Maybe we see more OG at the four, yep. get experimental. I could de- definitely see Nick Nurse getting weird and trying out some small, maybe some super big lineups uh, just to kind of get different looks in this eight-game lead-up here. Uh, when it comes to Powell, I mean, he's really fascinating to me because, I mean, still the reigning Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Never forget that. He's been the Player of the Week for four months now. Uh, and he was playing out of his mind. You know, every time he got hurt this year, he came back with, like, extra superpowers or something like that and was just playing the best basketball he's ever played in his career. And I think it's really interesting, maybe not so much for this eight-game lead-up, but in terms of the playoffs, I'm fascinated to see if Norm can kind of eat into Fred's minutes a little bit because, you know, we know how good Fred Van Vliet is as a defender one-on-one, but, you know, he struggled last year in the postseason, especially against big teams. And if you come across the Magic in the playoffs or the Sixers in some weird bracket-breaking system or you come across even the Celtics with Jalen Brown at the two, I really wonder if Fred Van Vliet's going to be able to continue to be as amazing as he's been this year. And with Norm offering a little bit more in terms of event creation in the half court, and like just incredible shooting and off the ball bounce, I, I kind of think he might stand to slide into that starting five at some point. I don't think we'll necessarily see that much in this eight game lead up. But like I said, Nick Nurse is experimental. He'll try some stuff out. And I don't think he's going to look at this eight games as being terribly important. And I think he will look at it as a, a bit of a canvas to try to try some stuff out. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Norm start at the two at some point. Maybe Kyle gets a game off and we see a Fred Norm backcourt. Norm's been so good this season. You know, he's probably going to be in the running, at least for most improved player. Had he gotten more run off the bench, you know, had the team been healthy, he might have been in the running for six man of the year as well. I really think we're going to see him 
like kind of force himself into minutes. He's too good right now. Uh, at least you know the last we saw him, he was too good to not have playing 30 minutes or so a game. And, uh, you know, even if he doesn't start, I could see him closing a lot of games over Fred Van Vliet as well. Or maybe, you know, they go super small and they have, you know, that they, they throw Norman out of the three with the two guards in certain matchups. I'm not sure. But he, I think, of anybody on the team stands to increase his role with the team the most based on just the fact that he's kind of earned it over the course of this season. The, the worry I have with Powell, and you're right, like he was fantastic. He had a true sense, which as a yeah, guard who's, who's never really shown that ability to have that efficiency. And, and look, it's over 44 games. That's not insignificant. But if that falls off, like if that ridiculous shooting, if almost 60% on twos, 40% on threes, like if those numbers do drop off, then then that one thing that he's bringing, which is good volume, uh, high efficiency scoring, then what else is, what else is he bringing? Now, he's been a pretty solid defender. The passing is not really there. But th- those numbers, I, I can't help but look at them and go, that doesn't make sense with what he's done in his career. It is 44 games, mm-hmm. but I'm waiting for the bubble to burst a little bit there with Powell. I think if people are playing your know, restart fantasy leagues, just you know, Norm Powell was the 62nd-ranked player this year in fantasy, mainly because of that elite efficiency and scoring. Um, and if that drops off, then there is there is that little bit of a risk there. And while the minutes might push up, there is a, a chance that in these eight games and in the playoffs that that unbelievable level of scoring. And we're talking about a, a true shooting, which is up in the top you know, 10 for guards in the league, probably even higher for guards in the entire league. And it, it's just not something that you necessarily associate with him. So I think there is a little bit with that. What about um, Marcus Sol, who, let's be honest, had a weird offensive season, couldn't hit, mm-hmm. hit 40% of threes, didn't hit 45% of his twos, just could not score uh, from really out inside the three-point line. Usage was ridiculously low. His role seemed to be very, very different. Is that what we're expecting more? Just He just gets it and works as sort of a, an offensive pivot rather than a guy that wants to take any shots at all. Yeah, I think, you know, with the sort of usage that's, emer- that's emerged from Norm and even Fred uh, and then, you know, Pascal and Kyle around Marcus All, he hasn't had to do much offensively. Uh, but I also think he wasn't really in the position to do much offensively. Like he was, you know, pretty clearly sort of still recovering from a very long summer of, you know, celebrating the championship, drinking tons of rosé on the bus, nearly falling off, and then going to play for Spain in the World Cup and playing deep into September in that as well. And I think he was just kind of exhausted this season. And then we saw the hamstrings flare up, flare up on him two times. He was still like incredibly important, probably the best defensive player on the team when he was healthy. And, you know, was doing all of the wonderful Marcus Gasol savant things that you like. I, I just don't know, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see where the offensive increase comes from. Because there are a lot of guys who are kind of fighting for shots. At the same time, I mean, the reports on Gasol coming into camp are, like, extremely encouraging. If you've seen the photos of skinny Marcus Gasol, uh, there's, he's you very know, good looking I rarely, man. he's extremely good looking. Makes me feel like garbage for what I've done during quarantine, <laughs> exactly. for sure. Um, but like he's, you know, he looks healthier. He looks like he's more limber. He looks like he's in shape in a way he just was not this season. But he was kind of rocking a dad bod. And I- I'm curious to see what he can do. I mean, they're talking about him right now looking like prime Marcus Gasol, which I don't know if I entirely believe because that's a guy who, you know, was an all NBA player and was one of the three or four best centers in the league. You know, if that's probably being a little bit skeptical, you know, he was really, really good for a long time. And so, I don't know if he's going to be like a guy who's going to average 16 points a game or anything like that. But I think, you know, hopefully he kind of can refine his touch around the basketball a little bit. That's been a thing that's been awful this season, like you mentioned. You know, maybe, you know, a little bit more stability, balance, stuff like that will help him with that as opposed to just kind of winging it. Um, But for the most part, I just think he exists to sort of make things easier for everybody else. Like 
he, he sets up Norm Powell for a lot of his wide open threes on which he shot like 40 plus percent this season. He sets up Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry for a lot of their off ball threes. He sets up OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam cutting baseline just, you know, two, three times a game each. Like that's the kind of thing that he does. And, you know, even if he's not, you know, contributing a ton in the way of numbers himself, everyone's numbers benefit when he is out there just because he makes things so much better because he's a smart guy. He gets the ball at the elbow and they can run a million things around him. And they're so creative with the way they use him. And the fact that he's like pretty willing to bomb a three as well and shot, I think, close to 40 percent this season again, uh, you know, kind of lends a lot to his value. And again, his value to everybody else on the team because he is a threat. They have to worry about him. And that opens up things for other people all, all over the floor. Gasol's the one to me that the Raptors do have a back-to-back in this restart. So I think they're going to go super easy on him. Like he's 35 and a half years of age. So you probably can see mm-hmm. those minutes and he's had multiple hamstring injuries this season. So he's probably the one more so than Larry that they will ease back in would be my guess. But there is still some real value here in these guys. Larry, Siakam, Van Vliet, probably all top 30 guys on the restart. Powell I've already talked about. I think, you know, if they do ease off on Gasol, then you see a little bit more value coming from Ibaka and Ananobi is going to have his role, which is purely as a guy that gets steals. But we know that that can be valuable in fantasy as well. Sean, thank you for coming on and, and giving us a bit of a refresher of where Toronto sits this season. Uh, anyone wants to check out more about the Raptors, they can hear you over on Locked On Raptors. Thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. Good to talk to you. If you're looking to fix your car, why would you go into your local auto parts store? You can just go straight to rockauto.com. You cut out the middleman, just get there, order the parts you want, and save a bunch of money. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Everything you need from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, whether it's your classic car or daily driver, rockauto.com gets you everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Don't have to wait for the guy at the hardware or the hardware store, the auto store to order it for you. You can just do that yourself. The catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all of the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Now to talk Milwaukee Bucks, I'm joined by my co-host over at Locked On AFL and of course the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast, Kane Pittman. Kane, welcome back to this show because I talk to you every other day, but on Locked On Fantasy, it's good to have you back. Yeah, this is really going to throw me off. Every time I do the intro for Locked On AFL, I, I'm actually absolutely shocked I haven't said Locked On Bucks at one point yet. So now I feel like this is going to completely throw me off. So we're just trying to, to get ourselves here you, back into <laughs> our discussions. Are all been focused on AFL, but we're talking we're talking basketball. We're talking the NBA, which is a couple of weeks away now, and we're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks who almost literally have nothing to play for in these eight games coming back. They're six and a half games up on the Toronto Raptors in the one seed. Home court doesn't matter for overall seeding, so they don't need to get a better record than the Lakers or anything like that in the Western Conference. Giannis Antetokounmpo was hurt before the season um, shut down. But we know Mike Budenholzer has been fairly limited in what in terms of minutes and, and really you know, paying attention to the health of his players. I think that's going to be pretty aggressive in terms of how he runs, you know, 12, 13-man rotations, Thanasa Santodokounmpo playing minutes, Sterling Brown getting starts. I think it's going to be a pretty wild ride for Bucks rotations here. 
Yeah, well, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they're going to have plenty of opportunities here to to run guys into shape. And we know that this is going to be a challenge for a lot of teams because you can talk about uh, whatever training camps they've had. But for Milwaukee in particular, it was only yesterday, or I guess the day before as we're recording this now, that the Bucks had their first opportunity to, to have some five-on-five scrimmage, like all the teams. But this is now only eight days away uh, until their first, uh, I say air quotes, preseason game against San Antonio. So they, they get a real benefit of having those three preseason games, eight regular season games, which, as you sort of pointed to, doesn't mean a lot. And then the first round against, uh, I mean, who knows? It, it looks like it's going to be a half of a Brooklyn Nets team, possibly a Washington Wizards team, if they can somehow uh, maybe win a play-in, if they can get within four games. And even they don't have Bradley Beal, uh, Davis Bertans as well. So uh, the Bucks are going to have a real opportunity here, unlike most other teams, to work guys into shape, try some things, and, and have everyone feeling good about themselves by the time they uh, hopefully get to the second round. So they're in good shape. So anyone who's looking at you know, playing these restart fantasy leagues, drafting these Bucks players, they are going yeah. to be the team to me that is going to be the wildest. We saw that game before the hiatus where they just sat everybody. And we had you know, uh, Antonio Kumpo playing big minutes. We had 35 minutes of Sterling Brown. We had you know Pat Connaughton starting and playing 30 minutes. We had uh, you know, 21 minutes of DJ Wilson, 30 minutes of Frank Mason in the last game before everything shut down against the Nuggets. We're going to see at least one of those games in these eight games. I'm pretty confident. Giannis, again, with the knee injury, he's fully fine now, but he's only playing 30 minutes a night anyway, so he's not going to extend. So I think we really have to be cautious about looking at these guys in DFS, looking at these guys in fantasy. Minutes are going to be spread. Rotations is going to be, I think, the widest or the deepest of anybody uh, out there. Uh, You'll get some DiVincenzo playing time. But let's talk a little bit about Dante because I thought he was their fifth most valuable player. Yeah, ahead of Wes Matthews, despite coming off the bench. Do you think there'll be any change in what Budenholzer does, not only for this regular season, but in the playoffs in terms of changing that starting lineup, changing the minutes distribution between Dante and Wes Matthews? Or it'll just be, this is what's got us this far, so let's just keep running like this and maybe we'll reassess it yeah, if things don't work in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think he'll change the starting lineup. The big reason for that is just the defensive matchups. Wesley Matthews has actually been the guy that's been the primary defender on James Harden, the primary defender on on Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James. He's been getting those assignments. And honestly, for me, out of all the things I expected from Wes Matthews coming into this season, I didn't expect the defensive impact that he's been able to have in those one-on-one matchups. And it's really actually freed up Chris Middleton to have the offensive season that he's had without the defensive responsibility he's had in the past. So I don't think there's any chance that he changes the starting lineup. But DiVincenzo is a fascinating player because uh, he's basically been the replacement starter, no matter who's gone out. So Eric Bledsoe missed a significant amount of time. So did uh, Chris Middleton and DiVincenzo's come in because the Bucs are happy to put the ball in Giannis's hands and, and use a combination of guys uh, to handle the ball. So DiVincenzo is going to be a, a, a major player. There's no doubt about that. 23 minutes per game on the season but they like what he does particularly defensively he's really disruptive he picks up those steals starts the transition game and as long as his three-point shooting can remain there in that mid-30s range because it was down in the mid-20s in his rookie year uh, he's going to be pretty valuable for them they're going to need him they are going to need him um he uh, i think that he's uh, he's going to be playing some pretty significant minutes because there'll be guys that, that sit out randomly Throughout yeah. this, uh, throughout these games, and he'll play. Look, he he was one of the ones that they rested. I think that was key. You look at that, that Denver game, and I think that's something I'm going to harp on. But Divincenzo didn't play, Middleton didn't play, Antetokounmpo didn't play, Bledsoe and Brook Lopez. They're the guys that didn't play in that one. 
Wes Matthews still got 32 minutes. Pat Connaughton, another rotation player, played 30 minutes. Robin Lopez played. Those guys, Cole Corver played 24 minutes uh, on, on a back-to-back as well for Corver. The guys that they preserved were DiVincenzo, Middleton, Antetokounmpo, Bledsoe, who were yeah, ruled out in, in advance with... Uh, or, sorry, Antetokounmpo, Antetokounmpo was hurt. Bledsoe was, was a, a late scratch there. But he was one of the five guys that they rested, and they are really keen on getting him in and playing him uh, some minutes. Is there any concern about Giannis's knee, or everything seems to be good from that? I mean, there would have been for sure. <laughs> I remember, I remember when the season went down uh, the day before. Uh, so that night on the Wednesday night when the season ended, the Bucks were scheduled to host the Celtics the next day, and the Bucks were kind of saying he might be able to play. We think we might play him, and I was certainly sitting back and saying, "Listen, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be risking this guy right now." The Bucks have got a three and a half game lead ahead of the Lakers for the overall. Uh, number one record, but he's had months now, so no, I, there's no concern. He certainly said that he had had the chance to uh, get the rehab that he needed over this break, and and at the time it was only going to be a game that was you know, going to keep him out for a few games anyway. So whether or not that would have lingered through to the postseason, that would have been a concern. But I think with the break, uh, he's going to be fine. But you pointed to it, the schedule. The Bucks have some games, particularly against the Nets, against the Wizards. If you're looking at a fantasy perspective, it makes sense that those guys might uh, not play those games. So maybe maybe not the best option. Yeah, they're definitely going to be sitting outside. That, that one, the second last game they play is against the Wizards. That could, <laughs> that could be a, a real rough one. How about Chris Middleton? Hasn't touched a ball in three months, apparently, which is odd, to say the to say the least. What do we make of that comment? What do we make of what that means for him coming back? But again, they could have eight games of warm-up here, plus the preseason games. And let's be honest plus the first round of the playoffs. Is there anything to be concerned about? This could be you know, 16 games of just absolute warm-ups for this Bucks team before they get into a second-round contest against Miami, Philadelphia, or Indiana, most likely. Yeah, Middleton's such an interesting case because uh, traditionally he's been a slow starter. So, yeah, you should have some concern uh, if you're a Bucks fan about Chris Middleton's shooting coming in because last year... He had the unusual preparation of playing with Team USA. So he was playing competitive basketball right throughout the summer, and that allowed him to come in in pretty good shape. I'm Maybe I'm a skeptic, Josh. I don't know. But I don't believe that he didn't touch a ball for three months. Uh, I, I don't believe why, that for a why second. Why wouldn't he have? Like, what, I don't see... Does he not have a ball in his house? Like, Maybe he doesn't have a full-size court in his backyard. But surely, surely he did something. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it. And I think that there was the rules were really regulated around what guys can and can't do. So I think we've seen some other guys say this as well. I know Pascal Siakam said he didn't play for a long time. Jason Tatum said the same thing. He said he hasn't been playing basketball, but then he's also been playing golf every single day. So again, Jason, I don't really believe you. I think you've been playing a little bit of basketball. So I, I think it's just, uh, let's let's say some some safe answers to say, no, I was quarantined and I was doing the right thing. I wasn't touching the basketball, uh, not at all. So I don't really believe it, but I think in general, Based on what we've seen in the past, a bit of a slow starter, there would be some concern. And in, and in general, you know, to have three, four months off, the guy was shooting 50, 40, 90. He was unbelievable. He was a flamethrower all season long. There's some concern that he's not going to be able to keep that level of play up. Yeah, um, that, that, that is the concern. I'm, I'm not too worried about him because he's, you know, he's been at a really high level for multiple seasons. He did step it up a notch this season. But this Bucks team, uh, it is going to be tough to rely upon these guys in a fantasy perspective because out of the eight games, you might get six from Giannis, you might get six from yeah. Bledsoe, you might get seven from Lopez. Like, who knows? It's going to be all over the shop. Absolutely all, nothing to play for apart from preparation for six weeks' time. Uh, so it is really hard to get a full handle on them. But Kane, whatever does happen with this Bucks team, you'll have it covered for us over on Locked On Bucks. So make sure you're checking that out. And thank you again for coming on Locked On Fantasy with me. 
<laughs> Any time. I, I guess I'll speak to you in a few minutes on Locked On AFL. <laughs> you, you, uh, you definitely will. <laughs> All right, that does it for another episode of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Don't forget, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Guys, go leave a five-star review, Apple Podcasts. It's a great way of helping out the show. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.